Good day, and thank you for listening to the Jeff Casello program. Let's uh, go to the files, and I went to the Reader's Digest to pick up on some funny stories that were passed on. Hope you enjoy these. Here's steps for mommy. One of my first, one of my wife's third graders was wearing a Fitbit watch, which prompted my wife to ask, are you tracking your steps? No, said the little girl. I wear this for mommy so she can show daddy when he gets home. Okay, let's pick up on the next one. Thinking no one could hear me as I loaded up a UPS tractor trailer, I began to whistle. I was really getting into it when a co-worker in the next trailer poked his head in. You know, I always used to wish I could whistle, he said. Now I just wish you could. Here's one from a, a lady that was saying, I was admiring my aunt's necklace when she surprised me by announcing, I'm leaving it to you in my will. Well, I was overjoyed, maybe a bit too much. Oh, I shouted, I'm looking forward to that. For your first day of retirement, my mother was browsing in a store when a saleswoman offered assistance. Mom admitted she didn't have anything particular in mind and the pair started chatting. The woman quickly learned that mom was retired. Interested, she confessed that she too was considering retirement. Mom immediately started telling her how much she liked no longer working and how the saleswoman would enjoy it too. Finally convinced by mom's enthusiasm, she asked, how long have you been retired? Well, this is my first day. When the box with my Halloween costume arrived, it was empty. I called the company and asked where my Maid Marian costume was. Well, we're sorry, ma'am. We'll send your costume out tomorrow. In the meantime, feel free to keep the Lady Godiva costume you got by mistake. <laughs> this one's called the Lazy Award. At an event famous for giving out awards in bizarre categories, the MC enthusiastically announces, the next prize will go to the laziest person in the audience. If you think you qualify, raise your hand. Well, everyone raises their hands except a middle-aged man who seems to show little interest. Congratulations, you're the winner, says the MC to the man. Your prize is this $100 bill. Still showing no emotion, the man replies, would you mind coming over here and putting it in my pocket? And finally this, I had a chance encounter with a pastor who told me about a wonderful event held at his church. We had a singing group the other day that performed without instruments, he said. A cappella, I asked. He shrugged, I don't remember the name of the group. Well, there you go. Hope you really enjoy this.
And um, here's a little bit of uh, advice. After doing some DIY projects around the house, I have a new motto. Do your best to do things right the first time. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And thank you for listening for the Jeff Casella pro program because I've got a question. And this will be the subject coming up next. Stay tuned. Our Bible lesson today touches on the subject of the medium of exchange necessary and the destruction of goods. This taken from the digest excerpts were taken from the digest of the divine law by Howard Rand. And he says it so eloquently in, in the fact that men have failed to recognize that after giving the Ten Commandments, the keeping of which provides perfection in moral relationships, God has laid down the fundamentals of economic well-being. In the observance of these laws is the solution of all our economic troubles. But many nations, instead of opening the Bible to discover the answers to their problems, follow a cycle of experimentation that history should long ago have taught them was but a treadmill of adversity. So well said, as history does repeat itself. So under uh, virgin conditions and in a primitive state, men practice barter and exchange their labor and goods for the labor and goods of others. As a nation increased its wealth and commercial activities multiplied, a medium of exchange became necessary, whereby purchasing power might be stored for the future. The volume of that medium of exchange would control the price of goods. And because this is so, there is only one equitable basis against which that medium should be issued. And it's not gold. Now, if we were under the gold system, which is an inflexible standard, the gold, and because it's been accepted as a standard of commercial operation in order, therefore, to always keep a true balance, increase in labor and goods, decrease prices, while the reverse is true, when there is a decrease in labor and good prices increase. This trends toward poverty and distress for the many, while wealth has a tendency to gravitate into the hands of the few. In barter, an increase of labor results in an increase of goods, which could be exchanged for the increased wealth of others. Thus, the industrious through labor could increase their wealth. Sounds good. Under a system which has gold for its standard, the increase of goods, the, res the result of increased labor, may increase the poverty of the laborer through a sharp decline in values as the result of the inability of the medium of exchange to expand in the same ratio 
as the increase in goods. The vicious circle is completed by thus making the possession of gold more valuable than the possession of property. That's interesting. Think about that. In order today to control prices and to keep more equitable balance between goods and prices, instead of discarding the present arbitrary standard of value and adopting the divine method, men decree the destruction of goods and the, con and the curtailment of production. Thus, real wealth, the things men can use and eat, are destroyed to prevent inflation. The result of the inability of the present medium of exchange to expand with the increase in production. Now, under God's system, inflation would never occur, for there the medium of exchange is wholly adequate to handle the abundance that God has provided through allowing men to discover the means for increasing the production of the farm and the factory. Remember, this is the things that we eat and the things that we use. Today, with the increase in wealth, there is a corresponding increase in poverty with periodic depressions, and despite the fact that we're in a land capable of yielding in abundance, we experience untold wealth on one hand and dire poverty and distress on the other. In our national desire for continued monetary prosperity and in order to save a system of exchange not based upon real wealth, true wealth is destroyed that the gold standard may continue to function, that the few may be prosperous. What a travesty of intelligence to hold when God abundantly increases our goods, that prosperity can be had only by destruction or containment of that increase. Increased possessions should spell prosperity with capital letters and it should never mean adversity. With food enough for all, thousands are on the verge of starvation. With enough to clothe all, many are underclad. With an abundance of fuel, thousands suffer with the cold. The reason for this is due to the failure of the system of exchange that has become wealth. That system, valueless in itself, yet because of the fact that it can earn upon itself has taken the place of true wealth, which must be destroyed to sustain the present system of values, which is wholly inadequate to meet the needs of life in such abundance as God is now willing to give unto men. The inflexibility of the interest-bearing gold standard prevents thousands from converting their labor into the necessities of life.
so well said that because we don't put our faith in God and we don't do, as he says in the Bible, to tithe and to give, that he will open up the storehouse and it will overflow. True wealth comes from God first, for it is all God's to begin with, and it's all God's to end with. This shows that increased possessions should spell prosperity. And what is that? Real wealth. That's the things that men can use and the things that men can eat. And right now our country is facing a lack of both. Or as Mr. Rand says in his book, a blessed country, the United States, who in the past has fed countless countries, who's given away countless amounts of gasoline, propane, and who has supplied medicine for those that are sick, for clothes and shoes to those that don't have it. And yet, we as a country are suffering our own ills personally because we have men and women walking the street today who don't have a home, who don't have anything to eat, who don't have the proper medical attention. And it should be our desire to lean upon God to do his ways and have so many of, of those men and women that don't have those things and are afforded those things that they should have those today. And yet we are under a bondage of few that have so much and are willing to share so little. Starvation should not be in this country. Clothing should be for all. Fuel should be for those that don't have fuel and for those that are cold or so hot that they need something to cool them down in the summertime. It is our failure because we have not utilized the God system that he said in the Old Testament on how to build the perfect economic system. I urge you to pick up your Bible and to read the Old Testament. It's not a lot of garbage. It's not a lot of nonsense. What it is, it's God's giving you his ways on how to be a complete Christian. Not just the Ten Commandments, 
but the economic laws, the food laws, the laws that he has said and commanded you and I as Christians to obey. For if you love him, you will obey his commands. I urge you to do that. And I look forward to prepare and give you the next lesson, which will be economic trends here in the United States, as well as a few more thoughts. Thank you for listening. The race is on, deal or no deal. This is where we stand. Here we are, May the 30th, 2023. Here's the latest developments on this debt ceiling deal. President Joe Biden on Sunday announced a debt ceiling deal that he said would avoid a catastrophic default. And yet we are working on a possible default to avert a catastrophic debt with just a week to go before the June 5th deadline. This being with President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Very, very nervous, whether it be the stock market, economics, securities, those people working within the government. What can happen? Well, let's give you a little bit of background. First off, let's establish a couple of things. This taken from thebalancemoney.com, the United States national debt by year. Uh, let's understand a couple of terms. Number one is that the United States national debt grew to a record $31.42 trillion. Okay, think about that and keep that in mind as of 2022. How's this grown? Well, of course, we've gone through recessions, defense spending, and of course, pandemics, as well as other programs added to the debt. In accordance to what they say, the United States national debt is so high that it's greater than the annual economic output of the entire country. So basically we're writing checks that we can't pay. And that's measured by the gross domestic product or GDP. So let's look at some numbers here and let's go back to say 1963 and the key takeaways, 1963, 60 years, about 60 years ago, $306 billion, GDP, 48%, US AIDS, Vietnam, and President Kennedy was killed. 1973, $458 billion, 33% GDP, President Nixon, the ended the gold standard, 
And of course we had the OPEC oil embargo. I think every, everyone my age can remember that. 1983, $1.377 trillion, 37% GDP with a jobless rate of 10.8%. 1993, $4.4 trillion, a 63% GDP. Well, we're going up, folks, with the Omnibus Eight Budget Act. 2003, $6.783 trillion, 59% GDP, in the Iraqi war. 2013, well, we had a government shutdown. 16, you heard it, 16. Oh, almost $17 trillion with a 99% GDP. And of course, today, we're up to nearly $31 trillion in debt. At the end of the second quarter in 2022, according to the balance money, the national debt was about $30.6 trillion. And based on the second quarter GDP of $24.9 trillion, the debt to GDP ratio was about 123%. Mm. Good news, bad news. Yes, our economy is doing badly. There's no doubt. I hold each one of our congressmen and senators, our elected officials, and I would like for them to do a couple of things. Number one, balance the budget. And the second thing is, of course, keeping jobs here in America but to go to a flat tax. Thus, we could eliminate the Internal Revenue Service. If we went to a 10% flat, flat tax, the same as a tithe for every American citizen, we could solve various problems. We need an accountability and an audit of where our money is going, right down to the penny. Question is, has anyone ever audited the Federal Reserve System? Who just prints money out of air? Has anyone ever audited the Internal Revenue Service? and shown the American public where the money goes. 
how many programs could we cut out and how many areas or lobbyists do we need to get rid of the refinement of our economy is very easy we must not write checks for things that we have no money for very simple we must hold our men and women who we put in office 100% accountable the finger pointing between the Democrats and Republicans is obnoxious instead of men and women sitting down at the table to get things done and having limits to saying this is the amount of money that you have and you can't go over it needs to happen where is the accountability i get so tired of of looking at the news where we have men and women basically argue with each other about what the democrats did or what the republicans did or what they didn't do and there's not a thing getting done except finger pointing remember we put these people in office and our constitution says that we are to have these men and women represent us in a fashion of getting things done instead of finger pointing and yet that's not happening and who do i blame shame on us point blank going back to the taxation 10 percent simple it is time that we begin to use methods biblically that have been working since the beginning of time why not God used America in World War I and World War II along with its alloy, allies and we defeated the Nazis, the Mussolinis, and the Japanese. We were his battle axe and we were blessed. My feeling is, is that if we would turn to Second Chronicles 7.14, where it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and that's the key word, humble themselves. And I could repeat the whole thing, but I want you to turn to it and read it. We do our part, God will do his part, and he will protect us from any and all evil. And he 
will umbrella us the same way that he did with the Israelites when they were crossing the river and the Egyptians were upon them. Think about what this country is going through and most importantly, how you as an American voter looks at the men and women in office today and how to hold them accountable for their actions as well as their words. And instead of pointing the finger, do what is right, stay within your means, don't write checks for, for with, without having the necessary money in there to provide and put together a budget the same way each and every American tries to do and live within their budget and get out of debt. Another big thing, get out of debt. I'm not trying to rant. I'm just trying to use common sense and I don't know where that has gone. It is my prayer that we utilize common sense and most importantly, we go back to biblical principles that have been tried and are 100% foolproof have a wonderful day and I welcome your comments and I look forward to putting the podcast to concerning the results of the debt ceiling <laughs>